Discover how you can live a glorious and supernatural life through the teachings of Reverend Dr. Kwaja Bwatenbempa. Reverend Dr. Kwaja Bwatenbempa is the senior pastor and visioneer of Holy Hill Chapel, Assemblies of God. An anointed, energetic, and practical teacher, this servant of God will inspire you with practical teachings of the Word of God that will inspire, refresh, energize, and bring healing to your body, soul, and spirit. Now to today's message. Supernatural growth. We want to thank Jesus, the owner and builder of this church. We also want to thank mommy and daddy for this great opportunity. It is time to hear the wondrous works of God in the lives of the people here. We are starting with our first testifier, Sister Fletcher, and her testimony is about successful completion of college. And she says... On 29th August 2019, I gained admission into one of the nursing training schools in Accra and started the college. Before joining Holy Hill Chapel on 14 February 2022, I had difficulty in paying my school fees and even money for food sometimes was a problem. But coming in contact with daddy's messages completely changed my life, hallelujah. During examination period, Daddy would pray for me and encourage me that I am already victorious. As I testify, I have passed all my examinations and I am now qualified and certified as a nurse despite all the challenges I faced. I give glory to Jesus because it is through him I have this success. Thank you, Jesus. Our second testifier is Sister Awing Puya. And she testifies of academic breakthrough by God's power in the mantle. She says, I joined this church in my first semester after I gained school admission. In July 2022, we had a mantle service and I received a mantle and understood the power of God in it through daddy's teachings. So... During the examination in the second trimester, I wiped every paper of my answer booklet with my mantle. I did the same during the third trimester exams. To the glory of God, my second and third trimester results were far better than the results I had in the first trimester. In my second trimester, I had six A's, one B plus, and one B. And in the third trimester, I had five A's, one B plus, and one B. Aren't you grateful to God for this testimony? I want to thank God for the revelations we receive in this house. God richly blessed that if availing himself as an instrument to be used by God. Our final testimony is from Brother Wesley, and he testifies of supernatural intervention in academics. He says... On Tuesday, 6th June 2023, the Holy Spirit led Daddy to pray for people who were scheduled to face a panel. I had a project defense the following day, so I went to be prayed for. On the day of the defense, after the presentation, one of my lecturers started calling me lazy and all sorts of names. He added that I had not been attending his classes, so I could not graduate that year, 2023. This surprised the other lecturers on the panel and even me, but I did not say a word. I only thanked God on my way out. During service that evening, Daddy instructed us to run around the auditorium three times to cancel every delay in our lives. 
He further asked us to check our emails after the service. People of God, when I checked my email, I had been copied in an email from the dean to the head of my department, which wrote, Dear HOD, I checked your results. Wesley Graham can't graduate because he's in the research method class throughout. We therefore, help, we therefore should help him to graduate if he passes all his courses. Glory be to God. I cannot thank God enough for this miracle. He is truly my defender. God bless Daddy for heeding to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let us appreciate God for these wonderful testimonies and prepare for our speaker. God bless you. Let your name 
for tonight is Mr. Nelson Amo. Nelson Amo is a business development consultant with experience across diverse countries and sectors. Nelson believes strongly in the dominion mandate that man born in the image of God is a creative being and should create solutions to problems just as God did. He is the founder and CEO of Innerhub a business accelerator and impact investment platform that supports small and growing businesses, SGBs, to scale. InnoHub supports businesses that demonstrate clear impact along the triple bottom line, people, planet, and shared prosperity. He is also the president of Deba Marketing Partners, a sales and marketing partner for businesses. Nelson is an alumnus of the Oxford Social Finance Programme from the Oxford University Set Business School and holds a Certificate in Development Programme in Entrepreneurship from the Leeds University Business School. He also has an MSc in Development Studies from the London School of Economics and an Executive Certificate in Entrepreneurial Ecosystem Leadership from the Leeds University Business School. He was the Grants Manager for the Ghana Climate Venture Facility, a World Bank-sponsored project that was designed to support the growth of SMEs in the climate and green sectors in Ghana. He was also the Grants Manager for the $2 million MLAB Ghana project of the Ministry of Communications and funded by the World Bank with a focus of supporting the growth of tech-enabled startups and technological skills to make young people employable. He recently won the 40 Under 40 Africa Awards for his contribution to investments in businesses and provides insightful trainings on investment readiness, business pitching, business growth strategy, building robust entrepreneurship ecosystems, and so on. Nelson is driven by the passion to promote social innovation and enterprising solutions to poverty and underdevelopment. He is married to the gorgeous Lady Frimpoma, and they've been blessed with two sons and two daughters. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the podium, Mr. Nelson Amu. Thank you. Supernatural growth. I'm a fast learner. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can we kindly have our seats? Uh, we'll come back very soon. 
And I'll share a story quickly before I, I, I continue. It was the year 1996. And I was in the third year, as in Form 3, in the junior high school at a location in Kumase. I had a teacher who invested greatly in me. And I'm sure he saw something in me. He used to call me Englishman. Because I spoke very good English at that time, I'm not sure now. He said to me, one day, you will speak on BBC and CNN. I wasn't sure how this could happen, but I never doubted it. He may not remember that, but I remember there was a time when I went to, he came, he gave me a gift of a t-shirt with Malcolm X in it. Church, tonight I'm happy to say that teacher, that school was called Kings International School, and that teacher is now Reverend Dr. Kojo Boateng Bempa. He taught me in junior high school. He's forgotten. <laughs> They used to call me Atom because I was very small. Uh -huh. <laughs> he used to pray with me so much, encouraged me to greatness. He taught me something called Omasum and Abumasum. And today he's not teaching Omasum and Abumasum. He's teaching the kingdom principles. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Can we do it for Reverend Dr. Kujibempa? Wow. We had a name for him. I won't say it here. <laughs> when I get there, I'll whisper it to him. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I was hoping he wouldn't make me out until I get on stage. And when he got here, he looked at me. I thought, this man, but he didn't see. Because I've changed. Say, I have changed. <laughs> I used to be a very tiny boy, but I was troubled, talking plenty in class, well, saying good things, and no wonder he said I was going to speak on BBC. Not yet on BBC, but it's getting there. Hallelujah. We've spoken all over the world, and that would come very soon. And church, kindly take our seats. I would like to thank Reverend Dr. Kojo Boatin Bempa for the opportunity to be where we are today. And to be here tonight to share some nuggets with us. I thank the church leadership and the team that organized and put this whole thing together. The SBS, can we put our hands together for the team that is working in the background to make this work? And I'm grateful to be here. And I thank everyone who came tonight to celebrate. I have some good friends with me from church. We have a lot of young men from our church who came today to celebrate with me. I also see some good brothers here. My brother, Dr. Rekin Kansan of Ghana Education Service. He's here with his wife, he's the director, general. Also my brother, Dr. Emmanuel Nimo. He's a medical doctor, also here. I have my supportive family and, and my gorgeous wife, also here as well. Oh, please, do it louder for her. <laughs> It, it goes into my account, so, yeah, it goes into my account, if you do that. I, I, I plan to be very interactive tonight and be very, very practical. 
I, I believe that there are so many things that we hear. Sometimes you ask, how did they do it? Where did they start from? And, and you hear so many people on TV, and it looks much like they just fell from the moon. And it's two stories you hear now. Either they began with just one seed in their pocket and became big, or they just fell from the moon and became big. We don't know which is, what is the path. And so I plan to be very practical and share my life's journey, um, the ins, outs, ups, and downs, to see how it can be a blessing to somebody. Amen. So quick background, I schooled basic school, again, in Reverend Dr. Bempas School, King's International School, went to Pukwari School after that. Any Akatachi in the house? None. Oh, okay. Went to Pukwari School in Kumase. I, that was in 1999. From there, went to University of Ghana, Legon, from 2001 to 2005. And then worked as a teaching assistant at Legon for one year. And just before we could end national service, I had my first job with MTN. Whilst in the university, I also worked. I did quite some jobs here and there. One is a marketing advising company. Um, some other jobs in, in US just to build my capacity, build my profile, and build on my CV. Finally, it looks like I've never stayed home for over a week in my life looking for a job or chasing a job, right from university, days up until now. Never a time have I stayed home for more than a day. Sometimes you think you only just hide and somebody just call you, hey, I hear you in town. Can you come work for us? So I worked with MTN for about four years, from 2006 to 2010. And during that time, I, I won an award as MTN of the year in 2007, in my second year of MTN. And, and that award really got me encouraged to say, let's keep pushing and doing what we're doing. But by 2010, I, I realized that there was something within me that couldn't let me stay forever. I had to leave. I, I left for my master's education in the UK. I went to the London School of Economics and Political Science. Uh, did master's degree at that time. And whilst I was there, I, I realized that when I was going to LSE, my mind and thinking was, I want to work with either the World Bank or the UN. And so that was my drive. So really build capacity. I began learning languages, learning French, a bit of Spanish, just to profile myself for the international role. But along the line, I, I, I thought there was something more I could do. I thought there was a higher calling not just do a nice job, but really build something beyond what I thought I could do. So in midway of my education in LSE, I began thinking of a different path. So there were lots of opportunities at that time to go talk to recruiters who came to the campus to recruit for these big organizations, but for a reason I never really met with any of them. I just said, there's not my path anymore. But there were a number of things we had done in the past that I think began yielding results at that time. I remember when I was just after senior high school, I don't know how it happened, but I set up my first NGO with a friend of mine called Ageless International Club. And that, that NGO was set up basically to support the poor and needy society. So kids from backgrounds that are not so strong, not so wealthy, how do you help, help them in school and all of that. And began writing proposals. I was just about 16, 17 then, and writing all kinds of proposals to various places. 
Then I became an avid reader of the Daily Graphic, not for the news, but for opportunities. In one of those moments, I chanced upon what is called the African Growth and Opportunity Act. Still an SS lever, reading on Agoa. And this was invitation to a seminar at Labadi Beach Hotel for businesses that were seeking to export their products to America. And as young as I am, I looked for a nice khaki trouser, got a nice blue shirt, got a nice tire, got some spectacles to look a bit older than what I was. And I also got my file and I went to Labadi Beach Hotel and, and I got to registration desk. And before I went, I went to Internet Cafe. Those times it was Internet Cafe. Took their machine and designed a complimentary card with my name and phone number and email address. <laughs> Those times, <clears throat> that was in 2000. So the email address was amnel2000 at yahoo.com. And, and I put my phone number there. It was a landline because we didn't have cell phones at that time. So it was a landline I used. Very light call card because that's what I could pay for. Because the sheet, the kind of sheet determined the cost of the call card. So I printed these, went for the meeting, also began giving out. Here's my card. Can I have your card? And this was an, a 17, 18-year-old boy trying to rub shoulders with the big boys. You know, and, and in a meeting, it looked like I was in a class with my fathers. But I was listening. The things they were talking about. If you want to export fabric, you want to export this to United States, you do A, B, C, D. I wasn't ready to export at that time, of course, I had no business. But just sowing some seeds in me, that got me very curious. On, and eventually, it's shaping some of the things I'm doing now. Again, when I entered the University of Ghana, Lagos, I remember I met with another friend of mine called Godfred. In a second year, we were discussing, can we start a business now? So we sat down, came up with some IDM, and we basically began printing posters to, for the IDM. But thank God we didn't do it. Because later realized that it would have been a Ponzi scheme. We, we went to Data Bank, we saw how much interest rates they were quoting for investments and we're like okay so if we could take people's money and promise a little higher than their interest rate and invest in businesses that could make money and pay back and we can be better than data bank and people are going to come to us but later reality check came in we're asking what kind of businesses can we put money in to give a return higher than data bank so we said Let's hold on. I, I, I think by now my name would have been all over the place for duping University of Ghana students <laughs> to tunes of some good money. But we didn't do that. But again, it was about that curiosity to build something, to build a solution right back at that time. I also remember how right after University of Ghana, I think in the third year, we... No, in the second year again, we came together to set up what's called the University of Ghana Debate Society. There was none like that, but we built one. Also joined an SRC committee that basically laid the foundation what became the SRC's first student hostel, led by students. So we laid the foundation of that huge hostel on campus. Anytime I drive by and I see it, I become very proud of myself. So we were working in those times 
getting into all kinds of projects. I mean, downside of it was that I didn't have a good life. I didn't enjoy Barca and Man U and Liverpool, but I don't regret it. Amen? It's okay if we do now, if you do, I'm not blaming, but I don't regret not getting a chance to enjoy all of those because I've, I noticed that I was just into things at that age. Just after university, myself and a few friends came together to set up what's called the Africa Youth Center of Excellence. And I remember we didn't have any office. We were all doing national service. So we would meet sometimes at On The Run. Then On The Run, you know, you don't have On The Run now. If you know, you know. It was at 37. We meet at Friday, 8 p.m. They would close by midnight and suck us out of the restaurant. We'll sit outside the restaurant sometimes till about 3, 4 a.m. just developing ideas. There were about three or four young men every Friday night into Saturday morning. That was like all night service for us. And so we built stamina doing some of those things. Uh, one of them is a good friend of ours who Eric knows, Fifi and Chill, Samuel said, we all, and now we are, we are still together doing great things. And everybody from that group is doing amazing. Amen. We'll sit down from 8 p.m. to 3 a.m. And then we'll wait for opportunity to just get a nice trotter by morning and go back home. So all these things, question is, why would I want to narrate? What's the relevance of me building a business? Again, after university, when I came back from LSE in Ghana, when I came back to Ghana, I, I took up various leadership roles. One of, and most of them were around the world. So in 2013, there was the Euro Africa Youth Parliament in Berlin, where I had a chance of as a vice president for the youth parliament. In 2014, there was the Africa Youth and Governance Conference in, in Zambia, where I was the president. In 2015, there was the same conference in South Africa, and I was the president again. So, clearly building capacity in negotiations, in leading teams from diverse countries. And sometimes you would meet about 25 countries. In fact, the project in Berlin had about 100 participants from 50 countries from Europe and Africa representing. And I was a vice president. And one of the pictures you, show, you saw was about that. And sitting and, and, and listening to ideas and shaping these ideas I, I began to realize when I started my business, I, I, I looked more like a commercial diplomat. I'm into business, but there is a very high touch of diploma. I can enter into any room, any room, no matter who is in the room, and engage with them, know what they want, know what I want, and come up with a very interesting opportunity and a deal. So these things became the building blocks for my business. So the business I have, in, in 2011, I was still in, in the UK, and I had two babies born to me at that time. One was my first son, who is Joel Nelson, he's in the room somewhere at the back. And the second baby that was born to me was my business, Inohab. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting, but really, that was my second baby. I, I saw an opportunity through research, and I came to Ghana during that time. 
we came to do at that time we, we did a, an outdooring for our first child I also took the chance to also launch and register my business at RGD so I was always carrying the two babies along amen I I began asking myself what are the opportunities for business growth in Ghana and Africa and how do we support businesses to grow and pursue beyond market expansion what kind of companies existed to support businesses to grow and from my research we didn't have many of such businesses so I decided to set up a company which was going to be an SME consulting firm to support businesses to pursue growth and individuals to basically set up their business ideas they, they had in mind. It, it took a bit of hesitation. It took a bit of fear. And to put in perspective, at the time of starting the business, I was a family man. And, and beyond having my own family, I was also the firstborn of five kids. And if you know where I'm coming from, you know what it means. Being the firstborn of five kids in a not-so-well-to-do family meant there was so much responsibility on you. I, I remember comments like, your, your parents can basically now pass on a good part of the baton to you for, their, for the younger one's education. And rightly so, you've gone through university, you've gone through your master's degree, you are back, and everybody expects that get a big job and, and possibly a good part of my family thought that after master's degree in the UK, I should have stayed in the UK, gotten more pounds, so I could do remittance back home. But this is the guy who just said, I'm coming to Ghana to build something. And when I came to Ghana again, the thought was, let's get a big job for, for, for this man so he can take care of the family. So just to transition, I got a job worked for a while, some consulting here and there. And then one day I just walked up to my boss and said, it's time to start my business. And then he looked at me and said, are you for real? I said, yes. And then he said, let me tell you something. Ghana is a very difficult economy. If you start your business, your chances of failure are very high. And you have a family. If you fail, your family is going to struggle. I said, I understand you, but I don't think I would fail. And then he said, from what you're doing, we see you're running projects all around the world for this company. And if you stay on, we believe that you can actually get a huge global job. And I said, I want to build a huge global brand from here, not a global job. And then he knew I was very determined to go. I mean, the last straw, my wife may not know this, but I was actually offered a car by that company I was going, when I was leaving, they said, if you can stay on, we'll buy you a, a brand new car for a new project. A and that was very enticing. I had a very small red car at that time. <laughs> but I could look at my boss in the face and I look at the brand new car in my mind. And I said, thank you. It is time to move. And walking away, I began asking questions. This man says that you're going to have a new project. You are going to control the new budget of the project. You have a new car. Why would you still leave and pursue this? 
in, the, in that same year, so this was 2015, earlier in the year I had received a word of prophecy from my, my pastor at that time that God is going to open an opportunity for you to start your business fully this year. And the signs will be so clear, you can't miss them up. And I was holding on to that word of prophecy. So when I saw the signs, and I knew it was time, nothing could change my mind. Hallelujah. And, and I'll show the relevance of such. Why would we in business be talking about prophecies and signs? I will come back to that very soon. So I left... I left, it was, it was in September when I left, started the business, employed my first staff, got an office around Ajuringa now in East Ligon. Quite a bold move at that time. And built gradually. Now, let me pause to say that running the business has not been that smooth and rosy. It has not been without challenges. I remember three years into it, there was a time when I sat in my office after everybody had left. It was about 11 p.m. Almost all the lights were off in the office apart from a little lamp on my table. And I had my hands on my head and I said, God, do I continue this? And those were very difficult times when you're actually asking yourself, how would salaries be paid? month on month the team is growing projects are coming up but financials are not as they should be but i said i'm going to trust the lord i told myself it's going to be a faith walk and i keep saying every day that for me my business is nothing but a faith walk and that was a time when after that prayer an offer came up that looked like an answer to my prayer but I noticed it wasn't. Somebody made an offer to say, can we have a merger of the businesses? And I'm going to pay your salaries, I'm going to pay your team and all of that. And I remember the person asked me, how much do you pay your team? And when I mentioned the amount, they thought it was in dollars. Meanwhile, it was in cities. And they were ready to pay that amount in dollars. I was like, wow. And they offered me at that time in 2018 about $5,000 a month if we could come together and, and drop my business and pursue something. But after prayers and consultation, I realized that that wasn't it. It wasn't the path. So I said no. This person brought a negotiator to my office to come and negotiate with me on why I should join them. And I told them no. That same year, we signed two mega projects that totaled $5 million after saying no to that offer. Hallelujah. Maybe I should say supernatural growth. <laughs> Hallelujah. That same year, we signed our first two projects that came to $5 million. And when we signed the first, so the first one was $3.2 million. The day I signed that contract, and I remember I had been telling my secretary any time she brought me documents to sign, I would tell Esther, I am not wasting my signature because it is waiting for the first million dollar contract. And I kept saying it, and I kept saying it, and I kept pursuing those opportunities. 
I went beyond saying to pursuing. So when we signed the first project, which was about $3.2 million, they came to my office and said, you have been saying you are waiting for your first million dollar project. And for me, it was humbling. Young business of our stature to sign that project. And within a few months, the second one came. In fact, the value of the second one initially was $1.2 million. But eventually, they added $800,000 to make it $2 million. And it blew my mind. How would we, 2015 to 2018, in this country, get that kind of project? Let me also say that our fortunes didn't exactly change just after signing that big project. We had to still build on, we had to pursue and persevere. We had very difficult times in, in, in COVID where there were no contracts coming. And for about two years, there was no new contract. But I had prayed to God and, and out of our discipline, there was not a single month when I had to tell my staff there is no money to pay salaries. To the glory of God, every month, the, the worst you would see is a delay by one week. But we had built systems such that from the big projects we had in 2018 all the way to 2020, when you didn't have any new big projects because of COVID, we could still cover things. And, and that becomes important for us who want to build businesses on the need to build systems that make sure that when you abound, you are also able to contain when you, are, you have to abase. Hallelujah. There were, again, times when we thought things would be bad. But we have been growing. We've managed projects for clients like the World Bank, managing one for MTN, a five-year project for MTN right now. Clients like GIZ, Israeli Embassy, British High Commission, what have you, all kinds of partners that we've had a chance to, to work with. We've launched an SME investment fund that is investing in businesses in the country. Our last investment was into a solar company of about $500,000 investment into that business. And so we are investing in businesses through that simple act of obedience and just taking that boldness to say, we want to do this. And we can count not less than $3 million of investment we have done through our fund and our business in this country. We've done projects in Liberia this year. We put money in two companies in Liberia. We just went to Sierra Leone three weeks ago, and today there is something happened, but we're still building on. Hallelujah. We've had a chance to provide consulting support for governments in, in Benin, in, in Botswana, doing time for Cape Verde, all kinds of countries in Africa, and supporting them over time. We've recently launched a new company called Deeper Marketing Partners, which is taking Ghanaian products to the world. One of our products is a chocolate brand. We also have dried fruits coming up and taking to various countries, setting up an office in the UK, close up to setting up an office in Dubai, doing something in the Netherlands. We have partners in Kenya, in, in Zambia, who are ready to push out all these Ghanaian products to the world. And I wanted to share these stories and then bring out what kind of lessons do I pick from my journey. 
is the lessons I am picking from my journey. And I pray it becomes a blessing to somebody today. The first lesson I picked up from my journey is to take your chances when you meet them. Take your chances when you meet them. And create your chances when you don't easily find them. Either take your chances or create your chances. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11, one of my favorite scriptures, says, I again, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift and the battle is not to the strong, neither is bread to the wise, nor riches to those of intelligence and understanding, nor favor to men of ability. But time and chance overtake them all. Others say, happens to them all. As we go through life, all kinds of things do happen that become the building blocks. And if we're able to see them as building blocks of life, it could be service you're offering in community service in church, activity doing somewhere, but all of these things could begin to open our eyes to chances. And when the time comes... But most times, we, we have our eyes a bit fixated on some particular kind of doors. We don't see when the chances come up. Other times, they come up and we are not ready to take them up. I pray that we would be very conscious in life as we go through life to say, out of that consciousness, what kind of chances am I seeing around me or can I create around me by the day? Many of the big giants you see in business came out of somebody just seeing a chance or a problem, a challenge, and creating a solution around that. So in life, you take your chances when you meet them or create your chances when you can't easily find them. The second lesson I, I, I picked from my journey is that if you want to lead in any area of life, you need to avoid gaps and idleness at any stage in life. One of the things that you normally hear People, what are you doing? Oh, I am waiting for my results. What are you doing? I'm waiting for admission. But in the waiting period, what do you do to add value to your life? We cannot overemphasize the need to add value continuously. Because opportunities come and you could only pick them up if that version of you that can meet that value is created. Because that version of you that can take that value is not yet created, the opportunities will come and just pass you by normally. And if you want to build a business, you need to be able to invest in your life and avoid idleness at any stage. The third lesson I, I learned from my journey is to prepare yourself. Preparation precedes success. It precedes execution. And, and if you, we, we happy to talk about the battle of David and Goliath. But David went on, although he believed in God, he had a resume. He could say, through preparation, I killed the bears and the lions. And that was his point of reference. The more you prepare, the more you can have such points of reference for life. And could say, I can do this because I've done a version of that before. And the fourth lesson I pick is that money should not be your motivation. You need to build solutions to problems. And as you build those solutions, the world will pay you for building the solutions. If it was just about money, 
I would have taken an early exit when I had a vision. I was offered a car and pay rise. I said no. Somebody came offering me another huge money and I said no. Because I had seen that life really went beyond the value of money. If the biggest value you place on your life is in dollars or cities or pounds sterling, then your life is very poor. It should be about what kind of challenges can I solve for this company? What can I solve for this community, for this country, for this continent? And the world will chase you. We all know of the story of OpenAI where the CEO was fired on a, on a day. Within the following day, brought back, fired again, brought back. And those who tried firing him, the board has been fired. Because he has something that the investors needed. That is value. He has something they need. Do you have something that the world needs? The fifth lesson I picked from my journey is diligence. Diligence. How could we become so diligent at what we do that the world will pay any price to have you on board? And that's what the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine: that have you seen a man diligent in his words, in his works? He will stand before kings and not mere men. Another verse says he will not take the back seat. That's the message. If you want to build a business, you want to become relevant even in your career, then diligence is important. And that is what will keep you up at night when everybody else wants to sleep. The, the, the growth and the way up is not just desiring and wishing for it. It comes with that hard work towards it. The next lesson or the third lesson I learned from my journey is that don't settle too early after little achievements. We, we live in a country which celebrates mediocrity. And so you do something small and you become the hype of the moment. You build a small business and you become the, 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 the next business icon. And everybody is hailing you and giving you Appellations. If you fall for that hype in this country, your fall as a business will be very great. And they will come and say that, oh, see how he's falling from grace to grass so suddenly. The same people who gave the appellations that entered your, your mind, they will begin to tease you and, and make mockery of you if you fall. Again, if you win and you want to ask yourself, am I winning well if it's just Ghana? You want to be a local champion. When the world is the stage for us, why don't we begin to pursue opportunities that go beyond our borders? And if we can do that, we will realize that what we are doing in Ghana is not enough as businesses. I'm watching my, my timer, so I'm really running through quickly. The seventh lesson I learned is desire to leave a legacy. If you are legacy-minded, you're always asking, what else, what next can I do? Again, the legacy-mindedness will carry you in difficult times because you have your eyes on a particular goal and you're working towards that goal. If you can do that, 
there is a lot you can achieve for your generation and generations unborn. The next lesson I, I picked up from my journey is don't despise little steps. The little steps that you can take. I remember again after university, one of the little steps we took was myself and my, my brother Fifi, we got into printing MTN vouchers. On the whole service, people were buying from us to resell. We were not very smart businessmen at that time. We, we made bad decisions on pricing of our product and distribution costs and all of that. So we lost out. But for me, that was a lesson. I learned how not to do business. So on the issue of little steps, we read in the Bible where in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 to 4, the Bible talks about the four lepers. And as little as their steps were, they taking those silent leper steps. Their enemies heard the sound of horses coming after them. That little steps they took got them a win. It could be just one small decision. But there is incremental value in daily small decisions for us if we do them. You want to be a multi-million business owner? It won't start from space. You may start from a thousand cities. But that thousand growing to 1,200 cities could be your key that you need to open the 5,000 cities, the 10,000 cities, and so on and so forth. So if you want to build, you want to be successful, don't despise the little steps. The ninth lesson I pick is that you need to demonstrate resilience. There's an expression that normally says that resilience is in me. You need to have that tough skin that can look at the position and challenges in the face and say, I can overcome. The, the line between two points in business is never a straight line. It's very undulating. It moves around, it moves in circles and all of that. There are hills, there are valleys, there are ups, there are downs. It's never a straight dash. So if you don't build that resilience and fortitude, just one challenge would come your way and you pack your bag and say, this is not my field. You run away. Do you run in the face of a position or you stay and fight? The 10th point, the 10th lesson I pick in my journey, which is one of the most, or the most important I call, is the God factor. The God factor. There are so many things we can do. And I remember one of the scriptures when we were preparing to write our BCE, and we had Reverend Dr. Then he was Mr. Ben Palidinas in prayers. He quoted, The horse is prepared for the day of battle. And he had this it's about victories of the Lord. I remember, I don't know if he stood as that. <laughs> but victories of the Lord. I heard it again in church on Sunday. I said, hey, I remember. This was in GHS. We used to say that. The God factor can never be overemphasized in building a business. People normally say, put God first. I say, no. Put God at the center of it all. And let God be the captain.
captain and master. Let God drive you. And the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. As you seek to build, you need to understand there is a limitation to your humanity. And there is some grace that you need. And you need to really come to that point and say, I will do my all as if it depends on me. But I'm going to pray and trust in the Lord as if it all depends on him. Because he can open all kinds of doors that will blow your mind. And these are lessons I picked from my journey as I built my business. We are not there yet. When people tell me that your business is doing well and you are this, I tell them, you know what? I have not seen a fraction of the, the vision I have. My wife keeps asking me, and you said that when you get to this stage, you pause and slow down, da, 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 da. I'm like, yes, but I have not seen what I want to see. And there is something in me that is just chasing me day and night. Until I, and I don't think I will see that in my lifetime because the vision is big. The vision is big. So we are pursuing until there is no space, again, no room to pursue. And we hand over the generation after us, give them the baton. My son was asking me, Daddy, so when you were 50 years, how would you run your businesses? I said, I will have a team. And he says, would I be part of that team? I said, yes, you'll be part of that team. That's another generation we want to raise. And we need to start building businesses that would go beyond the early founder to see how can we get the next generation to the seventh generation after us running these businesses. If we have that mindset, we will not spend every single resource that comes into the business as if it's our personal funds. Businesses will die because people don't separate their personal funds from the business. Everything that comes is for me, myself, and I. And they're happily saying, I don't pay myself a salary. But they are chopping everything coming into the business. How can you pay a salary? And these are the reasons why we don't build generational businesses. And for me, it's not enough to build a generational business. We need to build a cross-boundary, moving across Africa, taking it to Europe, taking it to the Americas, and show what we can also do from here. Because Ghana's market is too small for any business to do so well. I have been bailed out. My time is up, and I'm to discipline to time. Thank you very much. I would end here. I'm told there are questions and answers. That will come subsequently. Thank you very much for your attention. Hello. Mr. Amo, thank you very much for the presentation. We have a couple of questions here. Um, the very first one, what do you do exactly? Can you please explain in simple terms what your company does? Looks like somebody didn't really get Okay, so we are a business growth consulting firm. We support companies to grow. So people are saying, I want to scale my business, I want to do this, I want to build bigger. How do they have the strategy to grow? So we do that strategy consulting for these businesses. And once we do that, we ask ourselves, how do they find the money to pursue the growth? So we support the businesses to either find the money or we put money where our fund can do that in some of these businesses. 
So we support businesses to grow and to scale. We say that growth is what we have for breakfast. All right, thank you. Thank you. Second question. How do I know I've been called into entrepreneurship or to work for others? There are some things you could only discover by doing. So like I mentioned, right all the way in, just after senior high school, I began pursuing things like the Africa Growth Opportunity Act, researching on how to export Ghanaian textile to U.S. Whilst others are busily importing Bruni Wewu to Ghana, and I can't fault them, we were thinking, how do we export? So now one of my new businesses is basically looking to export Ghanaian chocolate to the world setting up outlets in UK and US and what have you to do that. And so by that early things I, I saw and the interest I developed, I must add entrepreneurship is a very painful journey. If you don't have a call for it, and it's like ministry. If you're not called and you try calling yourself, you can kill yourself. <laughs> Messy. <laughs> entrepreneurship, it's a form of ministry. If you don't have that desire and that love to build solutions, to make things work, to create things out of nothing like God did. God created out of nothing. Entrepreneurs create out of nothing. If you don't have that drive to do that, you might be better off really working somewhere but still grow professionally and make good money in career. There is good money out there working for somebody. Except there's a limitation. But some of the employ, employed people earn much more than what some entrepreneurs do earn. If you don't have the passion, that calculation would make you give up. But if there's that true passion and a calling for that, you keep going in spite of the challenges. When you're losing money continually, you will still stay on and do because there is that passion. So there is that passion point and passion pause you need to be able to pick and get. If you try and realize that this thing is not working, and, and because, again, we have a lot of unemployment, a lot of us end up starting some businesses called opportunistic entrepreneurs. There's no job. I apply, I apply to many places. I don't get called, so I start something. It's fine, but when you go and realize that this is not working, you might have to really ask, can I partner with somebody? Maybe I have some kind of idea, but I'm not entrepreneur enough to drive. Can I partner with somebody who understands me and who shares in my vision and drive this whole thing? Possibly you can build a business out of that. Thank you. Thank you, sir. How did you get linked to the African leadership positions in Zambia and the other countries? And was any of your little steps to breakthrough attained through the connections and bonds you built there? Let me take the second one first. I think those bonds did not necessarily feed into my breakthrough, but it fed into building what I became. The version of me that I am now is an accumulation of all those experiences. They, they began to gravitate towards something, and I was moving in that area. 
So you've done this, you've ticked the box. And one of the key things that entrepreneurs need is the ability to communicate and to engage and to negotiate. I was sharing what they call general assembly meetings in all those countries. So from Berlin to South Africa to Zambia and listening to people and passing judgment and supporting them and all of that. And those things really began to create a new leader. So I'm not just a business person or a trader who is out there, but I call myself a commercial diplomat. There is that fine blend of diplomacy and the way I do my business. And that is how I could work with entities like the World Bank, GIZ, British Council, Israeli Embassy, at no stress. So those did not necessarily feed into creating opportunities for me, but it just helped me. And just by this version of me becoming, it opened the doors for me. Hope that helps. And then there was a the first question. How did, you get, how did you get linked to the African country? Oh, yes. So how did I get linked? So when I came back from UK, the first job I took, it was very, very... Um, from all the experiences and all of that, at that time, the salary I could get <laughs> didn't match up. But I took that because I saw something in that place. So I saw an opportunity to build me. It was my learning ground. And that's why I said, don't let money always go ahead of you. So I went through that training, and that afforded me opportunity to drive all of those projects across those countries. So it was a function of that place that I had to work. No money, but exposure. Okay. Great exposure, yeah. Thank you. How do you stimulate your thinking to always come up with amazing solution-oriented ideas as an individual? Is there a gift or you have something special you do? Interesting. Years ago, I would sit down and I would just put my hand on my hand and I say, ideas. Ideas, and I'll do it severally. Ideas. And the more I, I consciously did that, I realized I effortlessly would come up with ideas. And people would come to my office, they would share something small, and within five minutes, I'll just blow it up. And they're like, how do you do it? I've never thought of it from, there was this medical doctor who had run his hospital for about 15 years. He came to me with an idea and I basically helped him up. He was like, how did you get? And after that, he was able to raise some huge funds into the hospital just because of that one meeting we had. So I, I, I think there is that power. The Bible says that power and death lies in the power of the tongue. And for me, just putting my hand continuously and saying ideas. I'm an idea bank. I'm an idea bank. But beyond that, I'm a thoughtful, I think a lot. I have quiet moments where I just tune off and unfortunately my wife always feels it and like, why are you quiet? What are you doing? What is going through your mind? I, and she said, I wish I could open your brains and see. Because you could see I'm just in a different mood. Sometimes when I just start, and I'm, 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 I'm a fan of all these very classicals, I'll just play them. Sometimes even working, I'm just playing classicals and I'm just thinking, what can I create? And just that question, what can I create, brings all kinds of answers. I was in Cape Verde in September, 
talking to the government agency on a project they want to do. And in the government office, they shared one part of the project. And I asked them, have you thought of this part? They were like, we've been working on this for a couple of years. We have never seen this opportunity. Can you come and be a part of this? Can you just take this and drive it for us? And, and as the ideas come, the, the, my, my friend, Dr. Nimokan, <laughs> he shared his idea with me as well, his, his, his idea. He's a medical doctor. And we turned it around. He came home and we just sat. I was like, my brother, how do you do it? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's a conscious effort to grow your thinking capacity and to expand yourself. And the more you expand, the more you have room to contain more. I want to know if you discussed with your wife before quitting your job to start your own company. It was one of the most difficult board meetings I've had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and especially when, at the time I was quitting, offers were coming. I remember there was one offer, at the time I resigned, I got an email, can we meet at Holiday Inn for a meeting, and we setting up this project, and I, I first responded I would come. And then two days to the meeting, I responded, okay, can I come in the name of my new company I'm setting up, instead of me, can I take up your offer? So that would have become my first project. They said, no, we want you as a person. And I said, no. So I declined that interview at Holiday Inn. If the interview serves as a Holiday Inn, you can imagine the offer that will come with it. So we discussed. We critiqued the idea. But eventually she said, yes, if you feel strongly. I'm not sure she liked it though, but yeah. Here we are. She's excited when she comes to my office. <laughs> and the blessing follows her as well. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> we take our last, but last two questions, and then our, our Papa will take over. Do you just support any business, and what kind of businesses do you support? And are there terms and conditions linked to the support you give to small businesses? And do you have to pay back the support you give? Right. Thank you very much. So, what kind of businesses do we support? Like I mentioned, we. We eat growth for breakfast. So we like to see businesses who within their DNA or entrepreneurs who are thinking of a business that's not just going to employ them. That me, myself, and I entrepreneur, if that is you, I, I don't have a passion for you, I'm sorry. We need business that would create jobs for the teeming youth on the street and would, would stop people from getting into the place of potential armed robbery. Some of them is just an opportunity to work. I was in Sierra Leone two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I was telling them, I see a huge risk that the people on this street, and, and one thing you, you see when you get to the airport, right from the airport, you have to board a ferry to the every point, there are young men who are begging you for money. And I saw a huge risk. These young men can readily take up ammunition if given the chance. And today it happened, something happened. We're praying it doesn't lead to the avoidable. The government says they are under control. 
They were able to break into their prisons and release prisoners, went into the armory that was fought and all of that. So we want to see businesses who would be a part of creating jobs and creating what is called shared prosperity. That is where it's not just the business owners doing well financially, but that prosperity is able to trickle down to employees and to communities. That's what we like to see. So we call them businesses that make impact. So there is growth, there is impact, there is also profitability, there is scalability. If we see that, we can support you. Of course, we are a consulting firm, so we charge for our services. Amen? We charge for our services. And if we invest, we may invest either for equity or for debt. So it's money you pay back. Yeah. Thank you. And our last question is, is there any profitable business that I can build online through my smartphone and be making cool money? Please give me tips concerning it. <laughs> there are many profitable businesses you can build online. There are so many businesses that are built online. But the first point is not about the profits you want to make. What problem do you want to solve? What solution do you want to create? If we can start from that thinking, what is the challenge I have seen in my ecosystem, in my community, in my country, in my city that I want to address with an online business? If you allow the challenge to lead you, you would build what is called a market-driven solution. And once it's market-driven solution, the money would follow. So start from the point of pain of the community, of the of the society you want to um, serve, of the country you want to serve, what is their point of pain? And how can my online business address that point of pain? Until you do that, you will spend money building a business that would make no money for you because the money that goes in doesn't reflect in the customers who would buy and pay for the service. So my disappointing answer to you is that I can't give you what online business but what pain point do you want to address? If you start business from that pain point, you are on the path to great success. I hope the person is not disappointed. But that's the truth. That's the truth. I, I, I speak truth as it is to entrepreneurs and to potential entrepreneurs. I tell them that I'm not a motivational speaker. And I don't have the grace to be a motivational speaker. I'm building businesses and at all reality as I face them. Okay. That was the last question, I believe. Thank you very much. Once again, thank you very much, Reverend Dr. Kojibwatin Bempa, my own JHS teacher. But you've not been looking for me. I have come, sir. <laughs> Clap your hands for. God bless you. Good to see you. Wow. Clap your hands, clap your hands, clap your hands. Beautiful. And um, I think that I've been encouraged this evening. Amen. Um, sit down, please, one minute for some. Let me add something for 10 minutes. Now, whilst Mr. Amu was speaking, you know, I'm typing the notes. And. Um, I came to conclusion that he is a man of focus. That's what I feel because to reject a car, have a parliament in the house, and try to win, 
And you saw the England pictures. Some of you, if you get one of those jackets, you won't come back to Ghana again. Somebody was traveling. I told him that by this time, the place is very cold. He said, oh, it doesn't matter. I want to even see snow. I want to see snow. And so today, Mr. Amor, Dr. Amor's life has become a testimony. But as I listen to him, I can see a man of focus. So how do I maintain focus? Number one, that's my teaching. So I'm finishing what my students started. Now, how do I maintain focus? Because you can see that he's a man that is well focused. The day he decided, I'm going to start my business. The man tried to talk him out, talk him out. If you are listening to the man, we will not be where we are today that he has also been able to help so many people. Look at the future where you are going. Look at the future where you are going. He gave him so many offers, come and do this, come and do this. He said, no, I want to start my own. Look at the future where you are going. Let your focus be on your future, not in the present. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 said, I press towards the goal to win the supreme heavenly prize which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Now, the King James says it very simple. He says, what? I press towards the man for the price of the high calling of God. He just says something very jovially. When somebody said, did you discuss with your wife? And he said, it wasn't very nice, but now everything is very nice in the house. The focus has produced so Every young person, when God gives you a vision, and if you feel that this is the direction you are going, don't look at the money. He said that one too. Look at the future. Number two, avoid distractions. I'm giving you seven points in ten minutes. Avoid things that will distract you. That car was a distraction. To some young people, to get a fiancé now will be a distraction to you. To get a visa now will be a distraction to you. I remember before I finished university, I won American lottery. And my mind was to go and work at McDonald's in America. Look at me today. And they rejected me. Thank God they rejected me. It will have distracted my calling and destroyed everything in my life. To avoid distractions. What are distractions? They are side attractions seeking your attention to break your focus. Side attractions seeking your attention to break your focus. Number three, how to maintain focus. You have found what you want to do even though money is not coming. Please stay focused because your future is in your assignment. Number three, feed your mind with things that relate with your assignment. Feed your mind with things. We are told right now, even as young as he was, he was going to Labadi, listening, reading, and he made a point. He talks about avid reader of daily graphic. And he said he was not just reading for news. He was reading the graphic for certain things that relate to the future. So number three, feed your mind with things that relate with your assignment in life. Like me, I read the books I read as to things that have to do with ministry. And in the ministry, I know that there are many, many dimensions. So I stay focused. I don't do politics whilst I'm preaching at the same time. And so, so there are many people, when God gives them a vision, they go here, they move here, they move here, they move here. 
So feed your mind with things. Read and listen to messages on the subject of your focus. And so, if you are here, you want to start a business, probably you have to find out from him if he has gotten certain materials. He has told us so many people he has helped. He's the best person to see. Number four, be careful of what you hear. Don't give attention to things that distract you. Be careful of what you hear. Don't give attention to things that distract you. Number five, keep the right people around you. All the people he mentioned who used to meet at on the run. They sit there from 8 to 3 p.m. He's saying that today, when you look at that cross-section of the people, everyone is making it big time. If you move with fools, you become a fool. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpened the counter was a friend. Proverbs 13, 20. He that walk with wise men shall be wise. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. Wrong people destroy focus. When wrong people live your life, wrong things will leave you. When the wrong people live your life, wrong things will leave you. Know that it is not everyone at the airport who is traveling. One day I was traveling to Australia and I got to Dubai. And I saw this guy sitting on the same bench. And then we began to converse. I've forgotten that my flight number is different from his flight number. And he was going to a place called Adelaide. I was going to Sydney. But I said, Charlie, why are you going to say we are going to Australia? And then we started Ghana and Como. As we were talking, and something said to me, go and check the distance. And so when I checked, I had 30 minutes to board my flight. And I came back and I asked him, when are you going? He said, my flight is in seven hours time. I almost missed my flight. I almost missed my flight. From that day, I decided that it's not every Australian that is Australian. And so sometimes, if you don't take care and you think everybody at the airport is traveling, some of them are just go-to boys. They know every flight, the time it will land and the time it will take off, but they themselves are not traveling. So you got to be careful. Keep the right people around you. Number six, spend time with those who have what you want. Spend time with those who have what you want. Who have gone where you are going. Jesus spent more time with his father than the people. Spend more time with those who teach you than those who drain you. Spend more time with those who teach you than those who drain you. Are you in places where you are taught? Or you go to sit in places, people say all kinds of things and they confuse you and they distract you. Spend time with those who have what you want. Or who have gone where you are going. Spend time with those who teach you than those who drain you. And then finally, number seven. This is how to stay focused. I'm just giving you seven points. Number seven. Do not allow wrong ambition to mix with your vision. Do not allow wrong ambition to mix with your vision. Vision is from God. Ambition is from you. Avoid things which are not from God when pursuing your vision. Now, when he was finishing, he told us, somebody asked him, how do you develop ideas? You see, what he told us is, is very supernatural. He said that he will sit in his office and say, ideas, ideas. Does this one make sense? It doesn't make sense, but it is making money. It's supernatural. 
And he's telling us that sometimes somebody will come and just discuss on, and then suddenly he'll pick something and say, have you tried this one? So everybody sitting here, there is a supernatural gift in you. If only you can find it and develop it, you become somebody very great in your generation. And I speak over your life that every gift that God has hidden in you is coming out tonight as you are hearing this man speaking. Jesus avoided being made a king. One day they wanted to catch Jesus and make him a king. He ran away. And so sometimes you don't have to accept everything. Only accept things that has to do with your vision. Finally, remember that your blessing is in the vision that God gives you. Stay focused. Settle with your assignment. It takes discipline to remain focused. Sit down on your assignment. Stop moving from place to place. You will not be a victim of divided attention and broken focus. You will succeed in the mighty name of Jesus and let somebody shout Amen. Amen. God bless you. So don't let the devil distort your glory. Don't let him distract you. Broken focus is the reason for many broken lives. Broken focus is the reason for many, many, many broken lives. And so, I want us to pray as we think about all the things that Dr. Amu has shared with us. Go home, play the YouTube, play the whatever back, and listen again and again and again and again. He spoke for some few minutes, but it was loaded with a lot of things. Started from school days. Now, there is one thing that he said that I really like. He said that he never left a vacuum. He was always doing something. Always doing something. Even as a JSS student, you may never, he, he, there was no day after vacation, he just walked around, always doing something. So, always, no time for entertainment, he told us. He started very young and he had two babies, biological baby and a business baby. Wow! And he carried both of them along. Too powerful. Too powerful. Close your eyes and let us pray. Yes. Father, we thank you tonight. We may not know, but right now we learn that even the little that I told him in school days is still producing results. He has told us many things this evening. Lord, open our understanding. Open our mind, sharpen our focus. If anybody's been distracted, Lord, bring us back to our men. Don't let money drive us, but let services, let vision, let purpose drive us. And help every young person here, help every business person, even those who have wasted many years in the wrong things. Let ideas begin to flow and Help everybody in their special area and their special giftings you have given them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray for tonight. Thank you for your servant. Thank you for doctor who also invited him to come along. Thank you for their wives. Thank you for the people that came with them. Father, bless them and continue to expand their businesses. Continue to bless everything that their hands, even that they've come to share lavishly. We believe that those words from last month and this month will also help somebody who will also one day be on a certain platform encouraging other young people. We thank you, we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. We have prayed with thanksgiving and let everybody say amen. God bless.
thank you for listening to this message. We believe your needs were met and every word kept you in closer fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Want more? Find us on Facebook by searching Holy Hill Chapel AG or Reverend Kodjo Boatendemper. Or you can join our Supernatural Generation family. You can also subscribe on YouTube by searching Kodjo Boatendemper for our video messages to further boost your faith. We look forward to hearing your testimony through any of our social media handles on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.